Volume Three, Chapter Six, Part Two of *The Mummy: A Tale of the Twenty-Second Century*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Mummy: A Tale of the Twenty-Second Century* by Jane Loudon, Volume Three, Chapter Six, Part Two. Clara, at length, said he his deep full voice echoing solemnly through the vaulted cave clara again he repeated whilst the blood of his terrified companion seemed to curdle in her veins at the awful sound she slowly and tremblingly advanced he grasped her arm she attempted to shrink back but seemed fixed as though by magic hear me continued the mummy in a low hollow tone which appeared to rise from the tomb and contrasted fearfully with the lighter accents he had employed as a minstrel elvira understood my signal and she will soon be here but you must do the rest prince ferdinand keeps guard to-night pass through this cave the outlet will bring you to his station throw yourself at his feet and appeal to his compassion in whatever language the feeling of the moment may inspire he will readily listen to you for he has not forgotten your visit to him in prison and will swear to devote himself to your service tell him you accept his offers and entreat him to convey yourself and the queen to ireland where roderick will receive and protect you he will immediately comply and his being the companion of your flight will induce the belief that you are gone to germany and will consequently prevent the least danger of pursuit at this moment a slight figure wrapped in a large mantle appeared at the entrance of the cavern elvira cried caeps and the stranger sprang forward then i am right exclaimed she whilst her whole frame trembled with agitation this is your guide said caeps in his deep sepulchral tone follow her and you will do well farewell we shall never meet again then bending over her he pressed his lips to her forehead and to that of clara both shuddered at the touch of those cold marble lips and an icy chill ran through their veins as the fearful conviction that their companion was no earthly being thrilled in their bosoms even the strongest minds dread supernatural horrors and their fair fugitives turned involuntarily away when they looked again the mummy was gone and the darkness appeared so profound that they were obliged to grope their way cautiously along fearing alike to remain or to advance they proceeded with trembling steps slowly along a narrow passage their minds filled with that vague sense of danger which generally attends the want of light when imagination pictures terrors that do not really exist and fancy lends her aid to magnify those which do by degrees however the queen and her companion became accustomed to the darkness and as the pupils of their eyes dilated they were enabled to discern the objects around them innumerable fantastic shapes now appeared to flit before them and grim giants to frown awfully from every corner of the gloomy vault they were traversing the dim and indistinct light threw a misty veil round the projecting corners of the rocks which gave them a fearful and unnatural grandeur whilst the fair friends overpowered with terror gazed timidly around 
and stood a few moments not daring to advance into the darker abysses of the caverns and yet dreading alike to remain where they were or to return we must go on said elvira at length her voice echoing through the cave till she started at the sound oh god cried clara hark a thousand mocking demons seem to repeat from every rock go on go on again rang in a thousand varied tones through the cavern let us proceed whispered elvira shuddering this is a fearful place and they hurried on as fast as their trembling limbs could carry them along a dark and gloomy passage leading in the direction pointed out by the mummy in a few minutes a bright though glimmering light appeared afar off like a star which gleaming through the darkness seemed a beacon of hope to guide them on to happiness a slight current of air too now blew freshly in their faces and their spirits rose as with quickened steps they hastened onward in the direction from whence it appeared to proceed the light now seemed rapidly to enlarge and the wind blew more freshly whilst the queen and her companion distinctly heard the heavy stamping of horses which vibrated fearfully on the hollow ground and grew louder and louder every moment as they advanced ah what is that cried elvira trembling clinging closer to her companion it is the bivouac of prince ferdinand replied clara the mummy told me we should find him here and that he should aid us ah that fearful mummy murmured elvira softly if he should deceive us and this should be only a plan to betray us to our enemies fear not said clara come what may we must dare the worst they had now reached the outlet of the cavern and found an opening large enough to admit of a single person cautiously advancing towards it they paused for a few moments ere they descended to gaze upon the scene below a troop of soldiers were scattered round in various attitudes of repose under a small grove of trees whilst their horses grazed at a little distance the prince alone seemed awake and he lay apart from his companions stretched upon a grassy bank a thick tree spreading above him his head resting upon his hand and his eyes fixed upon the ground the moon shone brightly and played upon the prince's polished armour like summer lightning dancing on a lake his helmet was thrown aside and his countenance looked pale and sad whilst his frequent sighs betrayed the uneasiness of his mind let us advance said clara and try to move him to compassion elvira complied and with light and timid steps fearing almost to breathe lest they should break the slumbers of their enemies they approached the prince all was still save the hard breathing of the sleeping soldiers and the measured champings of the horses their stately figures strongly relieved by the dark grey sky beyond whilst their long manes and tails swept the ground the prince was now listlessly tracing figures in the grass with the scabbard of his sword he started as they approached and hastily demanded the cause of their intrusion mercy cried elvira sinking upon her knees before him mercy she could say no more but gasping for breath she stretched out her arms imploringly whilst everything around seemed to swim before her eyes and the figures of the prince the trees the horses and the sleeping soldiers appeared all dilated to gigantic magnitude 
she entirely forgot the pathetic appeal she had intended making to the prince's feelings and every faculty seemed suspended in the intenseness of her anxiety for heaven's sake good youth exclaimed the prince addressing clara explain the meaning of this scene why does this lovely female kneel to me and why does she implore my mercy because she has no other hope saving that in heaven said clara solemnly it is the queen elvira cried the prince then raising her eagerly he continued your majesty may command my services and i am most happy fate has given me an opportunity of showing my gratitude only tell me how i can assist you a few words from clara explained the urgency of their situation and the prince promising to meet them with horses in an hour persuaded them to return to the cavern till he should join them heavily rolled the minutes of this tedious hour which seemed destined never to have an end till the nerves of elvira and clara were wrought up to such a pitch of agony that death would have appeared a blessing at length the prince came bringing with him only his faithful hans the sight of him was sufficient to rouse the almost fainting spirits of the queen and without speaking a single word she and clara hurried after their conductors to the wood where the horses were waiting for them they mounted still in perfect silence and hurried through the most intricate paths they could find for as morning dawned they feared inevitable destruction before it became quite light however they had reached a thick wood near the centre of which they found a half-ruined hut and here did the ci devant queen of england and her suite try to obtain a few hours repose but alas sleep fled from elvira's eyes she could not forget she was a fugitive in her own kingdom flying with terror from those very people who but a few months before had almost worshipped her as a goddess and not even the exhaustion of her body could overcome the hurry of her spirits whilst every time she closed her eyes and felt a soft doze creeping over her troubled senses she started up again in horror fancying her pursuers had overtaken her consternation reigned in the palace when the flight of elvira and the defection of prince ferdinand were made known there she is gone to germany was the universal cry and troops were directly dispatched to all the seaports whilst a whole fleet of balloons were ordered to scour the air in all directions and arrest every aerial vehicle they should meet with whose passengers could not give a perfectly satisfactory account of themselves these commissions were executed to the letter as the guards now sought by extra diligence to excuse the negligence with which they had suffered the queen to escape and numerous were the wandering lovers absconding clerks and unfaithful wives who were brought before the council instead of elvira and the german prince of whom however nothing could be heard their measures having been taken too well to expose them to detection in the meantime clara being missed the duke and sir ambrose were inconsolable and dispatched emissaries everywhere in search of her among the rest father murphy and abelard were sent to explore every corner of the grounds and the disconsolate searchers having in vain wandered through the gardens restless and forlorn at last arrived upon the banks of the river the aspect of the place was dreary in the extreme evening was closing in the river looked dark and dull and father murphy shivered and crossed himself as he looked around ah oh, murder but this is an awful place mr abelard said he and i'm after thinking the sooner we get out of it the better ah what is that 
cried the butler springing forward eagerly and snatching at something in the bushes that looked light it was clara's mantle Ablard uttered a groan of horror as he recognized it, and the priest starting at the sound, his foot slipped, and he rolled into the water, floundering about like a huge porpoise. "'Oh, dear! Oh, dear!' cried Ablard. "'He will certainly be drowned. Submersion in an aqueous fluid is almost always destructive of animal life, and I see little chance that he has of escape.' "'Oh! And will you let me drown while you're talking?' asked the indignant priest before it's the good-natured thing you'd be doing in pulling me out will you let me be suffocated no no certainly not returned ablard my agony is unspeakable at your distress i only doubt how i shall be able to raise you without a lever or pulley the application of the mechanical powers may go to the devil cried father murphy as he crawled out without assistance and so you would have let me drown whilst you are talking of the mechanical powers excuse me father returned ablard friendship is a powerful affection of the human mind it invigorates it warms does it said the priest shaking himself like a water spaniel then i should be very glad to have a little of it at present for i am shivering with cold i am surprised to hear you talk of cold father said ablard you are surely too fat to feel cold for animal oil is universally allowed to be a bad conductor of caloric father murphy did not speak but his look was sufficient and his teeth clattering in his head afforded an ample commentary upon the text it is strange continued the butler that fat people generally seem ashamed of their obesity for they have many advantages which lean people never can enjoy for instance they ought never to feel any violent craving for food fat serving as an interdium through which the nutritive matter extracted from food passes before it is assimilated to repair the loss of the individual ought to serve as a magazine to supply his wants and a fat man should be able to abstain from food much longer than another because during his abstinence the collected fat must be rapidly reabsorbed oh groaned father murphy would to heaven i had a broiled rump steak at this moment smoking hot and swimming in gravy and a fine frothing pot of porter a rum steak is no bad thing resumed ablard his mouth watering at the bare mention of the savoury viand and i do not wish it to be understood by any means that a man can live without eating on the contrary the indivisibility and individuality of the living body can only be maintained by an incessant change of the particles which enter into its composition part of the animal food being reduced into chyle and part becoming bones which are in fact only secretory organs encrusted with phosphate of lime the lymphatic vessels remove this salt and oh and it's clara you are forgetting all this while interrupted father murphy the purty creature sure and it's her mantle after all so it is and here we are talking of stuff and nonsense and quite forgetting she's drowned and killed all over poor soul alas alas returned ablard i have not forgotten her and i assure you i feel my lacrymal glance suffused almost to overflowing whenever a thought of what may be her fate shoots across my pyometer the despair of the duke and sir ambrose when they saw their emissaries return with the clothes of clara may be easily imagined and when they heard of the flight of elvira and the threats which father morris now openly indulged in that the ex-queen should be publicly executed if found for having endeavoured to raise an insurrection the climax of their misery seemed full in the meantime the party of elvira did not dare to leave the hut in which they had remained pent up the whole day their horses being crowded within its walls 
as well as themselves to prevent the possibility of discovery at length the shades of evening began to fall and they again set forward at a rapid pace though the agony they had suffered all day from fear of detection the narrow space in which they had been cooped up together with want of food had exhausted the queen so much that the morning found her unable to proceed without refreshment and about daybreak they were obliged to approach a cottage to implore assistance the cottager and his son were out at work but the women of the house agreed to give the fugitives the shelter they requested the prince delighted at receiving this permission flew back to the queen to lift her from her horse but alas elvira was not in a state to enjoy even the most welcome tidings pale and livid as a corpse her head hung upon the prince's shoulder as he bore her into the house and her terrified friends thought she had expired a little warm milk however revived her and she opened her eyes i am ready quite ready to go on said she gasping for utterance and again sinking back in a fainting fit it is impossible she can proceed in this state said the prince to clara in a whisper what will become of us we must remain here quietly till she is better said clara but if we should be pursued and taken we cannot die better than in such a cause said the heroic girl it is strange said the prince looking at her earnestly that the queen has been able to inspire such enthusiastic devotion in such a mere boy clara blushed and cast her eyes upon the ground whilst the prince gazed upon her blushing cheeks still more earnestly till she turned away from him abashed he took her hand i cannot be mistaken said he it is it is miss montague clara's agitation betrayed her i must attend the queen said she breaking from him and the prince respecting the awkwardness of her situation forbore to urge her further he felt however completely happy clara was too artless to conceal the interest he had excited in her breast and it was not in the nature of man to be indifferent to the devotion of so young and lovely a creature his eyes alone expressed his happiness and clara who felt his delicacy in refraining from making any further observations on her disguise found her love for him increased tenfold by his forbearance a few hours repose restored elvira so much that she wished to pursue her journey immediately and it was with the greatest difficulty that the prince persuaded her to wait till nightfall you must recruit your strength said he or you will never be able to plead your cause with the redoubtable roderick he is too stern a hero to be won as i was oh it is impossible to describe how i dread to meet him cried elvira i tremble at his name a being so fierce and stern as he is will perhaps not even condescend to listen to a woman's prayer and he will spurn me from him impossible cried the prince though i own i wish we could do without him whilst the principals were thus employed the cottager's wife was endeavouring to learn from hans who and what they were that poor lady seemed dreadfully tired said she when she came she looked just like a drooping daffodown dilly when the gentleman lifted her from her horse oh it was quite moving to see her yeah said hans however though her illness should occasion a little delay continued the cottager i opine that you must be unreasonable to grumble when you consider the delightful occasion it affords you of refreshing your olfactory nerves by partaking of a little of this odoriferous atmosphere my what nerves asked hans your olfactory nerves 
replied the learned cottager with a look of the greatest possible contempt that is the nerves that line the membrane of the nasal organ every child knows that the nasal fossae are formed to receive sensations as by their depth and extent a larger surface is given to the pituitary membrane and these soft sinuses or cavities are enabled to retain a greater mass of air loaded with the doriferous matter poor hans stood aghast at this explanation which he found something like that said to be given by dr johnson when he called network a complicated concatenation of rectangular angles and afraid to speak lest he should draw upon himself a new volley of words as astounding as the last he remained silent staring at his companions with much the same kind of feeling as that with which a wild man of the woods just caught might be supposed to gaze upon enlightened europeans can you give me some more warm milk asked clara who now descended in search of refreshments for the queen do you think so much of the tepid luxurious fluid good for the lady asked the cottager as she put some milk into a saucepan she can take nothing else returned clara how delightfully that girl sings continued she listening with rapture to a milkmaid who was chanting in italian bravura as she was milking her cow yes replied the cottager angelica sings well the parieties of her larynx are in a very tense condition and her trachea is quite cartilaginous but here comes my good man continued she he has been hard at work all day in the roads and i am sure he must want some refreshment i do indeed feel excessive lassitude missus said the cottager as he came in and i want something to eat what have you got do see will you for it's dreadful hard work breaking stones most we had to-day were primitive limestone but i found a few fine specimens of quartz the crystals were quite rhomboidal and i stopped at least half an hour admiring them rock crystals are often found among squads said his wife so i don't think you had any occasion to lose your time in admiring them when you know you break stones by measure and your wife and children are starving for want of bread do not distress yourself upon that head my good woman said clara we have money and our gratitude will not permit you to want anything that we can give you thank you thank you cried the woman it's a pleasure to serve a generous gentleman like your honour what a charming voice you have said clara turning away to avoid the woman's praises and addressing herself to the milkmaid who having finished her task now stepped over the stile which divided the field from the garden of the cottage with a pail of milk upon her head and advanced gracefully towards them in measured steps i am very happy to have pleased you sir replied the girl dropping her foot into the fourth position as she made an elegant curtsey and then glided gracefully on stay stay cried clara won't you give us another song before you go you must excuse me sir said the girl again gracefully curtsying i am exceedingly sorry to be obliged to refuse a gentleman of your appearance but singing requires an alternate enlargement and contraction of the glottis an elevation and depression of the larynx and an elongation and shortening of the neck very difficult to be performed with a pail of milk upon one's head set down the pail then said clara indeed i can't sir for i have not a moment to spare i just met some gentlemen of my acquaintance on the hill and i expect them here every moment i must snatch an instant or two to arrange my toilet gentlemen of your acquaintance cried the mother 
what gentleman can you have met with here child that know you my cousin john who went for a soldier some time since and a party of his companions and what brings them in these parts no good i fear for john was always a wild good-for-nothing lad it is no evil i assure you mother said angelica pertly but you are always fancying the worst john is become a man of consequence now and he is at the head of a party of soldiers searching for some state prisoners he'll be made a captain if he finds them and i hope he will with all my heart where are they now asked the mother in the wood replied the girl and my brother is gone to help them to search as he'll get a share of the reward if they find the fugitives whilst he is with them and you'd go too if you'd any wit said the wife to her husband who had now seated himself comfortably before the fire and seemed very unwilling to be disturbed inspired however by his wife's remonstrance he roused himself and stretching his heavy limbs rolled rather than walked away angelica had also retired and clara was left alone with a woman it has already been mentioned that presence of mind was one of clara's distinguishing characteristics and perceiving the danger of the queen she was aware not a moment was to be lost the observations of the woman to her husband and in fact her whole manner showed that avarice was her master passion and upon this hint clara spoke she offered her abundance of gold she enlarged upon the greediness of the soldiers who if she waited for their approach would perhaps cheat her of her share in the promised reward or at least give her such a trifle as would not be worth having and at last drew forth the glittering metal and spread it before her eyes gold softens the hardest heart and the cottager's wife could resist no longer but promised to connive at their escape clara instantly ordered hans to prepare the horses and informing the prince and elvira of what had passed the whole party again set forward on their eventful journey End of chapter six part two of volume three